The nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. And I'm here today uh, with a good friend. I wanted to to first uh, talk to all of my listeners worldwide and thank you for listening, sharing, and suggesting great ideas for upcoming shows. I especially want to thank those of you who have expressed interest in partnering with me to make this a show of, by, and for nurses. Several have requested a way for them to offer small contributions toward this effort, and I will keep you informed as this goes forward. Today, as I said, I am so grateful to share an hour of your time with a woman who has inspired me over the last 35 years in a number of ways, from being a leader of authenticity, ethics, passion, and demonstrating a keen understanding of how positive and supportive relations with nurses build strong bonds and creates a foundation of caring in a healthcare organization. Cindy Boltina recently retired from a long and fruitful relationship with Healthy's Care System in St. Paul, Minnesota after uh, 36 years. I met her when we worked in different departments on the same floor and then watched her grow herself, her career, and the organization we both supported. So Cindy, could you give us just a quick kind of bio of um, how you got into nursing and and kind of what that trip was. I will, Leanne. Thank you. But first of all, thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. And thank you for the work worldwide influencing nursing. I mean, that's like kind of like the ultimate. That's awesome. Um, I made my decision to be a nurse actually when I was about five years old and ended up going to a two-year nursing program in Rochester, Minnesota, worked as a nurse in two different hospitals, and then decided it was time to go back and get my bachelor's degree. I ended up getting it in uh, community health. Um, Following that, I spent a few years in a hospital out in western Minnesota where I got to focus on education, staff development, community education, and patient education, And then the senior leadership of the hospital invited me to be the assistant director. Um, I turned that down. I didn't really know what leadership was about. I wanted to stay focused on education. Um, We spoke again a few months later, and I ended up with that role, which was really the beginning of leadership for me. I knew I could be in this small town of 10,000 people as the assistant director of nursing for the rest of my life, single in a small town, and I thought there must be something more. So I ended up at Midway Hospital in St. Paul, started as an educator. Um, That was in 1981, and Ann Schrader, who hired me, said I needed to go back for my master's. That was a part of the deal. So I did, and I got my master's in nursing administration and then became the chief nursing officer at Midway. I was there until we closed Midway Hospital in January of 1997. My next opportunity was to be a member of a design team, three women design team, to create Woodwinds Health Campus, which is an 86-bed hospital 
in Woodbury, Minnesota that we built on a holistic framework and just an over-the-top, over-the-top experience. Then there were some organizational changes within Health East, the organization that both um, Leanne and I were a part of, and my role then focused on advancing our holistic model that we had developed at Woodwinds throughout our acute care hospitals and focusing on patient experience. I have two passions. One is a patient experience and one is the employee experience. So I had an opportunity to then work with 99 different patient care units across Health East in helping to support their patient experience. And then as Leanne said, um, on November 1st, I left Health East after 36 years, 36 amazing years. Yes, and then this is just the start of something else, but we're going to talk about what you've done to this point. One of the things when we first started talking, you made a comment. She said, uh, you said that you like the idea of how a life changes out of a decision. Say a little more about that. Well, I'm afraid I could probably say a lot more about that. Being a nurse has really been my life journey. And I went through lots of steps, and everywhere along the line, even when I was a chief nursing officer, I knew that if I was out making rounds, talking with staff, and touching patients, that I was indirectly impacting every patient and staff member in our hospital. As long as I could talk to staff and talk to a patient, answer a light, see a patient in the hallway, touch their arm, then I felt like a nurse. And so I really believe that God's role for me was in leadership because I could impact the experience of both our employees and patients in a way that really made a difference. So it was like that that completed me as a nurse, that completed me as a nurse. And it was so important for me to do that and be acknowledge that because often I'd hear, oh, you used to be a nurse. And it's like, no. No, I am a nurse. So being a nurse introduced me to colleagues and leaders that I have known now for 40 years. I mean, that makes me sound a little old, which in fact is true. <laughs> Not at but all. it's also a really proud moment to say that you've, you were so impacted by those individuals for so many years. When I was working in my first job in a small hospital in Minnesota, I chose to go there after nurses training because I wanted to learn how to start an IV. My program was in Rochester, Minnesota, and we trained in the Mayo Hospitals, and they had other support, and I wanted to learn how to do it myself. So I went there for a year, um, got to be a charge nurse, got to deliver babies, got to work in the ER, got to do critical care, pediatrics, really all at the same time. And that is where I found out that I passed my boards, which was an exciting moment. And I still remember what it was like to write RN for the first time. I don't get to write that very often anymore, but when I do, I cherish that moment. So it was an awesome experience. And then I decided it was time to go back to school. So I en- enrolled in Mankato State College. In a, it was an a independent study program in nursing. And I knew the dean actually didn't think too much of two-year grads. And I knew I'd had some great experiences. My very first semester 
was around the conceptual framework of Sister Callista Roy. I failed my first test because I didn't couldn't understand what she was talking about, and I wasn't in a cohort of others to help me learn. Well, <clears throat> failing that test actually was a pretty... Um, although it was hard because I'd never failed anything in my life, it made me ask the question, what else can complements nursing? So I chose to go into community health, and that was a great partnership with nursing. From there, I went to Hutchinson, Hutchinson Hospital. That's where I did education. That's where I was introduced to leadership. It was an awesome experience. Then Midway Hospital, I actually chose Midway because when I walked into that hospital, the housekeeping staff looked up and said hello. I had been doing a little part-time work at another hospital in the Twin Cities, and the housekeepers walked with their heads down. And I thought, there must be something special about Midway, where the staff feels engaged and a part of the team. So that's ultimately why I chose that hospital. I worked also with you at Midway for a long time, and I remember we used to call it the, the Midway virus, that we wanted to spread this virus all around the whole system. Um, it was that there was something about a small town kind of atmosphere yeah. where um, everyone really did acknowledge. We all knew each other's names, and um, the housekeeper was just as important in the work we were doing. Yeah as the person who delivered our linen, the people who came up and picked up our trays and dropped them off. In many, many ways, we learned about our patients from uh, these people. So I agree with you on that. Yeah, we used to call it the right way, the wrong way, and the midway. (laughs) I forgot about that one. Yeah. So... So that was um, getting to Midway, and um, you had mentioned, um, I think we had a little time, um, the people that impacted you, um, you know, once you started making those decisions toward leadership, then being around leaders that could really teach you the ropes by example. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe Anne? Yeah, I was hired by a woman by the name of Anne Schrader. She was the one that said, you have to go back and get your master's. And again, that was 30 years ago. So she was a great visionary. She was a great one to empower, to open doors. And then you had to decide if you were going to go through the door and then how you would embrace what that opportunity was. She asked me if I wanted to be, if I wanted to create a home care department. And I said, sure. Now I knew how to spell home care. (laughs) I didn't. I wasn't, didn't have a public health background, but it was an amazing experience. Then she asked me if I wanted to be the chief nursing officer, and she had to, we had to negotiate because there were two things I didn't want. I didn't want to do public speaking, and I didn't want to be the chief nursing officer. So anyhow, she was very convincing, but it was really just empowering and talking about the role and the partnership that we would have as leaders. And that was one of the most important um, moments of my life, really, because it was about a partnership. We never used the term boss or supervisor. It was equal and respectful relationships. We all had our own gifts, and collectively, we used them to help support this wonderful Midway Hospital. Mm-hmm. It was very hard when we had to close Midway Hospital. Very difficult, very difficult. 
um, one of the hardest things in my life. But I knew that we had to do it. It was a business decision that I didn't make. But my role was, then how can I help support the whole hospital in the most compassionate and fair way as we close our hospital? I think a little background in that. Uh, that was during the time period in um, uh, the 80s, mid-80s to late 80s, I think mm-hmm. it was, when um, there was so much competition. Uh, every city was in the same kind of problem where there would be many, many, many hospitals in one maybe small area. Nothing in the outlying areas. Everything was okay. more designated downtown. People were... Um, Uh, everything was changing technology was changing all kinds of things were coming up and so each tiny little hospital was trying to afford to have all of the things they'd always had coronary care and you know uh, surgery and an ER and and an ICU and all those things and it was becoming more and more uh, expensive and no one hospital could afford to do all of those things and so that was when many places across the country were trying to join together as hospital groups. Mm-hmm. And many of them are finding it very, very difficult to take people or organizations that had been competitors for 100 years or yeah. more and then bring them into a collaborative um, uh, situation. And many or most were not able to make it. Mm-hmm. And so when Health East decided to come together, there was a lot of discussion and this was not just different competitors. This was different religious yeah. organizations. So we had the Lutherans, we had the Catholics, we had the Baptists, we had, you know, a number of different organizations that had funded and raised and loved their little organization for hundred or plus years, and we were all going to come together. So I remember how difficult that was at the time. I was in OB, and we were trying to join with the other OB departments of at least three different hospitals. And it was so hard because each of us felt that our policies were the best, our way of doing things were the best, trying to sit down and decide how are we going to make this work as the best practice for all of us. We we had a really hard time doing that. And um, you and I both have a mutual friend, and she was my boss at that time, Clean Heart. And um, she, what she did was she had a pool party at somebody's house that had a pool in their backyard. And we all went there together. And we had fun and we laughed and we had good food. And then we sat down and started trying to talk about how are we going to work together. It just completely changed the whole dynamic of the thing. We started to more rationally and less um, jealously. Emotion looking at uh, what was the best practice, admiring each other's work, and coming up to the idea that we could work together and we could make Health East even better than what the individual three organizations had been. And that's really, I feel like, what happened. Um, <clears throat> before we go into um, too much more, I'd like to come back to this after the break. And so we're going to do this. We're we're talking today uh, with Cindy Boltina and our, our topic is nursing a life journey but I think it's even more than that it's really uh, we've been talking about how leadership impacts um, healthcare and how nurses impact patient results so um, we will be back in just a couple of minutes and uh, we'll keep talking
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Leanne Meyer, and we're back with Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. I'm here with Cindy Boltina, uh, an old friend and someone I've worked with for 30-odd years uh, through many ups and downs and uh, incredible careers. Um, we, the, we titled this topic, Nursing, A Life Journey, but uh, it certainly is a career journey, and there's many other aspects of it that um, is so interesting to look at now as we look back on it. So, Cindy, when we um, broke a little bit ago, I just told a story about how when we came together as Healthies, we had a number of different organizations that came together, and we had to try and figure out how we were going to make all those organizations work together, particularly the independent uh, or the individual departments. And so I was working in OB, and um, I forgot that you were actually the head of that uh, service line. So tell it from your side of the story, what was going on at that time in 1986? Well, it was really exciting because actually there were five hospitals at that time. So five OB departments and I, my role was to be the service line leader of perinatal. So I started by bringing together the leadership and we just started talking. And then eventually we made our plan of where did we want to begin to be more alike than different. And it, it, I mean, it's 30 years ago now, but it was an amazing experience because there was great collaboration. There wasn't a lot of resistance at the table. And I'm sure it was a challenge when they got back to their own units, but 
they, each of the directors, represented the opportunity to collaborate and all be better collectively than we'd been individually. And actually, the service line launched then 30 years ago and is still strong within Health East. That's the core of leadership is that collaboration and that commitment, that shared commitment and vision to create the best perinatal um, experience possible. Yeah, and I found that uh, I was in that that whole service line, so I was working within that, and what we kept finding was that people were coming from all over the Twin Cities to be able to deliver their babies at Health East, not because it was convenient um, uh, logistically, but because, uh, and, and not just because of doctors or whatever, some of them changed doctors to be able to come and deliver their babies in Health East, including my um, uh, daughter-in-law, my stepdaughter-in-law, who um, had had a difficult uh, pregnancy, and I'd helped her along the way, and she lived way over on the west side of Minneapolis, but she wanted to come over to Woodwinds Hospital to deliver her baby there. And I remember um, just how adamant they were. She was somebody who researched everything, and she felt this was the best place for her to be, and she was really uh, excited to be able to go. And it was still a fairly new place to be at that time. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, let's kind of go uh, into this a little bit more, too, about how uh, you have been mostly at the leadership level. Well, in fact, let's talk about Woodwinds, how that all came about. That was a brand new hospital that was being built in the what we call the East Metro area of the Twin Cities, uh, kind of the southeast corner of uh, the Twin Cities. And uh, it was the first hospital that had been built in how long? Do you remember? About 20 years. It had been at least 20 years. And so to be able to be in on the ground floor from the very uh, inception of an idea all the way through making it a fantastic place to uh, receive health care, you were involved in that. So talk about that. What what was that like? Well, Woodrens Health Campus and being a part of that was the highlight of my career and it always will be. I had heard about this job after Midway Hospital closed. A number of people had talked about it to, with me and I knew I was pretty good at operations but I didn't see myself so visionary or innovative. I decided to make my decision if I was going to apply or not when I went on vacation in Sanibel in 1997. I was in a souvenir shop And there was a pile of T-shirts, and the T-shirts had seashells on them and porpoises and all of that. Um, In the middle of the pile of T-shirts was a T-shirt that had three angels on it, and it said, go build your own home team. I looked up at God, and I said, thank you, God. And I went back, and I applied for the position. Wow. So... um, there was really divine intervention in helping me. So with that, that was role. another collaborative uh, effort. Um, Health East wanted to combine with two other organizations that were quite different, uh, and yet they saw that the collaboration, so it was another large competitor, Alina Hospital and um, Children's Hospital from St. Paul, that wanted to combine and create this campus. So um, we didn't just call the construction company right away. What mm-hmm. happened? No, we didn't. Well, as a matter of fact, there was a vision by Health East to involve the community in helping to envision what the future of healthcare was going to be. 
So Health East led the team. Children's Hospital, which was one of the partners in Woodwinds, was a part of that, as well as community members. The community outlined what they wanted to see in the hospital. And that what they told us, they said they wanted a different level of care. They wanted to be um, more in partnership with their providers. They wanted access to holistic care. They wanted to be in an environment that was more healing and home-like. Um, they wanted access to education. We, the design team, and there were three of us, three women, two of them were nurses, one that had an industrial engineering background. None of us had ever built a hospital before, but we figured we could figure it out together. Anyhow, one of the first things we did was to create the guiding principles of Woodwinds Health Campus, and it was based on community input. It was not a bunch of suits sitting around and saying, oh, what should we do with this hospital? So it was directly from the community. And actually, we continued with the community advisory team up until about um, six months ago. Really? So for years. What I used to talk about it as, um, most places when they're going to, you know, a business, if they're going to build something, they say, we will build it and they will come. And what I loved about this whole aspect of Woodwinds is what we said, we will ask them what they want and we will build it. And that's what ended up happening. And again, that was another time period when um, it was very difficult to find healthcare um, nurses. Well, every area of healthcare, it was uh, there was just they were being pulled in so many different directions that um, it was very difficult. And I remember many of our competitors when they heard what we were going to do and the amount of effort we put tremendous effort into going out and seeing what was the most uh, healthy environments from uh, colors on the walls, uh, kinds of lighting, uh, tile, brick, you name it, any, anything and everything. Uh, that we wanted to make sure we had the best and we had a beautiful environment so that most of the uh, patient rooms looked out on this beautiful uh, wetlands. It had been a farm area. Um, It was just really uh, quite amazing. And um, so uh, at any rate, we had pulled all these things together. I remember that our Competitors told us we were crazy, that one of the things that the community had wanted was a combination of the medical model and complementary medicine. And they told us, that is not going to work. Those people don't even like each other. So um, they just kind of laughed at us for a while. And I remember at one point they told us, if we got um, 400 applications for our 400 jobs that we had initially, we'd be lucky. And I believe we had 1,600 applications, like almost the first day we put out the the call for applications, and I've forgotten how many we ended up at the end. But people were so excited to be on the ground level of being able to help create um, just a a phenomenal new idea of healthcare at the time. Yeah, building the structure was um, amazing um, because we... We use principles of a healing environment. We knew that that would be great for our patients, but we also knew it would be great for our staff. Um, staff in hospitals work very, very hard, and if they could be in a place that nurtured their spirits, we thought that that would make it easier. So we designed a great building. We had a lot of input from leaders and staff, and then we got to design the culture, the model of care, the leadership structure, 
everything else. And then, as what Leanne was talking about, we got to hire staff and leaders that believed in what we were doing. And our first job fair was in January of uh, 2000, and we had um, almost 1,200 people come and apply for jobs. And as a matter of fact, within the first year, we had nearly 4,000 people apply for these positions. You know, people thought that they were we were going to have a bunch of granola eaters and they were working in a spa because, you know, when you build a new hospital, obviously you get to use new design. And so there was a lot of skepticism about the hospital. And in terms of the complementary model, when I shared guiding principles with our medical staff, and this was a long time ago now, they said, if you're going to do anything like healing touch, hide it so we don't see it. And we took their feedback, and then we did the right thing. And that was to bring an outpatient clinic that provided healing touch and chiropractic and acupuncture and naturopathy and herbal therapies that was just connected, aligned with our hospital. So it was a it was a big, big thing. And that was what we then had the opportunity to spread mm-hmm. within Health East. Mm-hmm. But holistic care was huge. And that was available to the staff also as well as patients, oh correct? Well, the key is um, we hired staff who believed in holistic care. Many had learned about it in their nursing program but hadn't had an opportunity to practice it. So I hired someone that would help lead that work, and then that person created a team solely of staff to help define what was it going to look like. So we eventually built into the scope of practice for our RNs the use of essential oils, guided imagery, and um, music therapy. We purchased CDs, players, for each of our patient rooms, and then put just set some healing music, and we knew that that would be both for the patients and for the staff as well. We used essential oils. We had them in our Pixis machine. So when staff went to get something for pain or nausea, the oils were right there and then guided imagery. And then we had a volunteer healing touch program. We had about 40 volunteers that provided healing touch to our patients and to staff. Say a little about that in case somebody doesn't know what healing touch is. Well, it's really about your chakras and your energy and equalizing kind of equalizing how your energy is. How it flows. Um, and some people thought it was a little voodoo, but it is a great practice. And now it's really rampant in the whole community and beyond and beyond. But we knew that the best way to have our patients experience these modalities was to have our staff as well. Because if they knew what healing touch felt like, they knew what having a little lavender on a cotton ball taped to their uniform, how that could help them relax. They knew how they felt when they went and got some healing music, that it'd be easier for them to be able to promote that with our patients. And so that's what happened. And, and as a matter of fact, if our acupuncture didn't have patients and, and staff had a migraine or had a challenge, they would do acupuncture on our staff. We do healing touch on our staff. Key to holistic care is self-care. Mm-hmm. And it was all a part, part yes. of that self-care model. And giving the nurses, the staff of every level, 
the permission to take care of themselves so that they could take care of others. I had an experience, now that you're talking, it reminds me, um, uh, I uh, had broken my wrist in about seven or eight places and had to have it uh, repaired. And um, I had worked in OR and I'd been in healthcare for, you know, long enough. I was terrified and I didn't realize how terrified I was until I got there that day. And uh, um, I was waiting in the in the waiting room to go into uh, pre-op. And the uh, volunteer came over and sat down and talked with me because she realized that I was pretty nervous and I needed to talk. So that was the start. She got me kind of relaxed. We went into the pre-op room, uh, which had a wall. The entire wall was looking out on this beautiful wetlands area. So it was gorgeous. Um, not very long into it, somebody brought me one of those little uh, cotton balls with some, um, I forget what would have been on there, lavender? Probably lavender. And uh, the other thing that I noticed was that there were people talking so pleasantly right outside my room. So it was staff talking to one another, doctors talking with nurses, nurses with each other. And it was so positive and pleasant. And I could hear people laughing. And all of those things played into just helping me to relax. Um, By the time the physician came in to talk to me, uh, they actually had to wake me up to give me the pre-op medication because I had fallen asleep. I I just was so relaxed. And, of course, when I came out of it, the same experience with uh, post-op. I don't know what happened in the OR, but I assume it was pretty good when I got back out. There were just so many wonderful, caring people and again, that pleasant uh, uh, tone in the background. And it was one of the first times I experienced as a patient what that's like to feel like there's a continuity, there's a, um, uh, a depth of it's not just what they say or what they put in their brochures. It was palpable on every level of the staff at that hospital. And, and that just was phenomenal for me to experience that. Leanne, we had four values. One was compassionate service. We, we defined that as placing the needs of those you serve above your own. We purchased a behavioral assessment tool so that when we hired staff, they had to be able to display that compassionate service. If you, I'm going to stop you here because we need to take a break, but I really want to start with this when we come back. Um, that is great. So I'm talking with Cindy Boltina today. We're talking about um, uh, nursing uh, life journey and clearly uh, a career journey. And we will be back in just a couple of minutes. Thank you for listening. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of return to peace. 
Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. We are back again, and this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I'm here with uh, Cindy Boltina. We're talking about leadership, all kinds of things, how uh, how the impact of who we are as individuals, who how we take care of ourselves, how we uh, how we are as people impacts everything we do in the care we give to each other as colleagues and to our patients and families. So uh, we were just talking about opening this fantastic new um, hospital in Woodwinds, Minnesota. Uh, Woodbury. Woodbury. (laughs) Changed the name of the town for the hospital. Uh, The name of the hospital was Woodwinds, is Woodwinds. And I was sharing about how um, I had had surgery there and what a wonderful experience it was. And Cindy reminded me about um, some of the behavioral... um, tools that we used and also just say a couple of things about the guiding principles that were put out and how when we were hiring people they had to read through those guiding principles and I believe they had to sign them saying this was something they could um, believe in too and support. Well there was a promise statement that they needed to sign and that was about um, living the values and our guiding principles. We had four values um, compassionate service, human potential, ethical practice, and meaningful collaboration. And we really hired staff who believed in that. And and once they signed the promise statement, we just didn't file it away. We talked about it all the time. Um, We expected each other to be caring. And it didn't matter if it was a housekeeper or the nutrition person. We were all a part of the same team. And we said we, that we don't use the word no. When someone asks us to do something, if you don't know the answer, you help find a person that can. So saying no actually raised the hair up on the back of our necks. So compassionate service, placing the needs of those you serve above your own was huge. Human potential, we believed that we could help everyone Um, know more about themselves and be better than who they ever thought they could be by being a part of the hospital. And we celebrated that that growth. Uh, Ethical practice, 
was just around doing the right thing. And meaningful collaboration was bringing people together and honoring everyone's idea and then collectively coming up with what was the best. And usually it was a part of all the ideas. That way people then can really own that. And in servant leadership language, they would call that the third right answer. Mm -hmm. We selected servant leadership as our model because that put us as leaders um, in a position to honor and serve and care for our employees. So that is then what they would do with patients. We as leaders weren't the ones that touched the patients. We needed to touch our staff. Our vision is a was a a broad statement and we shortened it to say it was around creating the ultimate employee and the ultimate patient experience. They go hand in hand. You cannot get that. and You can't get one without the other. And when you create that, we are caring for the community. We are caring for our employees' families. We are caring for everyone that walks through our doors. Mm -hmm. It was an awesome experience. I actually was involved in some of that on the other side of it, um, you talked about um, the behavior, behavioral response interviewing. I was involved on the ground floor of going to different places. I remember we went to the University of Chicago, and we learned about behavioral response interviewing, which in the past people would ask questions like, you know, um, uh, oh, what do you, um, what would you do in the case of a fire? Um, how would you handle blank, blank, blank? And what the whole thing with behavioral response was that what you have done in the past, you will do in the future yeah, more than yeah, likely. Yeah, and yeah. so we designed our questions for all different areas of hiring from that standpoint of tell us a story. Tell us about a time you had to deal with an emergency situation. It might have been a fire. It might have been whatever it was. What did you do? What was going on? What did you do? And how did it come out? Those were the three aspects. And we had to kind of train people to do that interviewing because it was very different. Uh, One of the, for me, most impactful question was, tell me about a time when you went above and beyond. And um, I was so fortunate in that I was able to help hire uh, between that 2000. Uh, when you did that first job um, uh, fair that you had, and hiring enough people, we we opened the doors August first, where we August third, yeah, yeah, August third, yep. so two thousand, and um, we had a lot of work. All those people who had uh, applied to us to go through all of those, to do screening interviews, to do other interviews, to narrow those down, to figure out who are the people that were going to be that first common core of about four hundred people. And so in the course of doing these interviews, I got to interview nurses. And um, in asking that question, uh, tell me about a time you went above and beyond, I heard the most amazing responses. People that, um, you know, they had stellar nursing careers, stellar uh, work, uh, skills, abilities, um, every different way. But when they told that they answered that question. They would often cry. They would, um, you could just see the pride of what they had been able to, to uh, maybe make the end of someone's life or some very critical decision that had to be made that they were able to make some precious memory or some precious step forward with that person. 
that's what I call an emotional paycheck. Mm-hmm. You can't get that no. from the bank, you know, out of the bank or from payroll or wherever. It's it's an incredible thing, and people will do so much to be able to be a part of that. And that's why I so loved being a part of Health East and that whole thing. You talked about um, you didn't like to say no to people, and you actually had pins that were made up that said certainly. And so that was always the answer. If anybody asked for something and, like you said, you weren't sure how to answer that, it was never no. It was certainly, let's figure this out. And so if you couldn't meet exactly what they wanted, you could at least come close to something that they knew you had gone extra, made an extra effort to be able to to meet that need. And um, that was so incredible. Just as an alternative to this, I remember interviewing a doctor who came in to work in the emergency room, and um, his qualifications were unbelievable. But when I came to that question, you know, tell me about how you support customer service. How, you know, tell me about a time when you went above and beyond. His response to me is, I'm a doctor. I don't do customer service. Did we hire him? Absolutely not. I knew not. Couldn't get him out the door fast enough. And I'm sure he was completely shocked because I'm sure he would have been highly sought after in other places, but not there. So um, uh, where would you like to go from here? What would you like to talk about here? You had talked about there were some important messages you wanted to get out to Yeah, if I was going to, I mean, I love to meet with nursing students, actually, to talk with them about why they chose nursing, and then to just tell them some things that I would recommend to them, um, that nursing is about a call to serve. It's about, it's a sacred call. It's something greater than who we are. So, So you have to remember that all the time. I mean, even though maybe something happened last night that interfered with you and you're feeling badly about it's like once you walk through that door to care for patients we're here to serve them and that was what that value was compassionate service placing the needs of those you serve above your above your own nursing is an awesome way to listen to learn and to grow but it can't end in nursing school It has to be something that you focus on all the time. Getting involved in your unit or wherever you're working, using your voice to help shape care for patients and how you care for each other is important. Making friends. They could be your lifelong friends and it is amazing how Because of what we share, that passion for nursing, those friendships are so deep and rich and wonderful. And then as a nurse, as someone who cares for others, you have got to take care of yourself. And most people nod their heads, but it isn't about going for a walk on the weekend. It's about every day. It's about being so aware of where your spirit is right now that if it's not in a good place, how can I shift it so that I can be a better caregiver as I serve others? It's really, really important, and you have to make a choice to do that. Nurses traditionally care for everyone else, and they feel that by caring for themselves is selfish. It's not the case. My own 
personal mission statement is compassionate service to self, family and friends, and the world. Because for me to be my best person, I have to, to do my life work. I have to care for myself so I can care for others. So really, you have to think seriously about how you care for yourselves. And it has to be a constant part of your journey. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true. Um, I've been talking to uh, a woman that will be one of my guests coming forward. And um, she had been working in ER and then had been asked to become the director of a behavioral health unit. And uh, as in talking with her, I realized it was because she had those same kinds of understandings deep within her life. And even though she had never uh, had anything to do with behavioral health, um, it became clear that what she brought to that whole concept, she could trust those people she was hiring who had the knowledge and the expertise and the background. And what she brought to it was how do we support uh, ourselves and others. And, And she said that actually it was a unit that had been dissolved because it was so dysfunctional, was not working, was not helping patients, um, was a hell, hellish place for people to work. And so they completely dissolved it and started all over mm-hmm. with new people. And one of the things she talked about was that um, that support for one another and making sure that people had a solid base in their home life, in their spiritual life, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that was, it was different for each person. Uh, and then that they would have, um, I forget what the name of it she called it, but some kind of a, um, like a, 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 they would come together um, either at the beginning of a day or at the end of the day, and they would nurture mm-hmm. and serve one another. So whether that was with laughter or whether that was with, you know, sincere or deep talk, um, being able to work through whatever the pain was for themselves so that they could set that aside and go out and yeah. take up the work of the pain of the people they were serving. So just exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. And as I hear this across the country, and I'm sure I'm going to start to hear it around the world, that that human beings are still on the earth, and they are still acting in humane and, and wonderful ways, yeah. probably far more than all of the other stuff that we're hearing. And I think that um, I hope that this can be a reassurance. Um, I just heard that there was a poll done in Minnesota, and number one, nurses are the most trusted people in Minnesota. A huge number of Minnesotans said when they had to say, who are the people they trusted the most? Who did they feel were the most ethical? It was nurses. And again, not too long ago, there was another... Uh, survey that was sent out to employers and they were trying to find out what are the top 10 kinds of employees that people want and across the board in Minnesota employers wanted nurses Hmm. so even if they weren't going to be nursing working in a nursing capacity they wanted them to have that kind of being Mm -hmm. that they would bring into whatever organization that they were at that they had that that sort of thing i think because we don't hear a lot about nurses 
you know, the movies, the TVs, many times books are all about the doctors and the interns and the administration and all of the, the conflict that's going on at the top. We don't hear about nurses. So unless you are a nurse, unless you know a nurse, you've, um, you're related to a nurse, so you've been a patient in a hospital as a nurse, you really don't know who and what nurses are and what they do. And it is so crucial, I think, for people to know that because people are looking for careers, young people, I think, are looking for careers that feed their soul. And I don't know of a career that feeds the soul more than nursing. We have just a minute or so before we end. Is there something you'd like to send us out with? I think the opportunity nurses have are one-on-one with our patients, many times in their most vulnerable state. And when you place your hand on a patient and look into their eyes and ask them, how can I help you? You look anxious. Those are the stories that then our patients tell their friends and their family. And that is huge. That's huge. And that's how we can continue to impact our communities. Because when we're doing that, it's out of love. It's out of love at that sacred time. So we can make a difference. (laughs) I am so sorry. We have to stop this, and it's such a wonderful conversation. But thank you, Cindy, for being here. And um, you have been listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. I'm Leanne Meyer, and we'll be back next Monday. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.